But then I think of the people that are being dispersed that don't know him and are so confused and so wondering what is, you know, happening in our lives. Um, and again, that importance of us being able to share that blessing that we have um, heard and learned from Abraham. Welcome to the third episode of Let's Talk Diaspora, where we're going to be unpacking the biblical foundations for diaspora. Rebecca, have you spent any time in the Word lately looking through the lens of migration and diaspora? Um, I have. I've taken a lot of time just really praying about it myself and kind of looking through those that lens of movement of people and dispersion of people. And um, I'd go back even to the very beginning. And as I look at it, I think God has given us this overall, it's this overall commandment in the very beginning in Genesis 1.28, where he tells us to multiply and fill the earth. So he's already given us preparation beforehand that he's going to spread us all over the place. The first story that really comes to mind um, for me with somebody being dispersed is Adam and Eve. You know, they were in that perfect place of the garden. Um, and then they are dispersed and sent off because of sin, because they um, had chosen to follow their own hearts and their selfish desires instead of um, completely following God um, and what he had commanded them to, you know, be and live in that perfect place. And um, so I see them sent out of the garden. How about you, Bud? Do you have some stories or things that you've been seeing in scripture? Yeah, let's let's talk a little bit more about Adam and Eve, because I, I want to think of it as categories and uh, see if there's any patterns in scripture. So as we talk about a few of them, so we we know that they were in the garden. We know that they were cast out of the garden. So that that is a displacement. And if we remember the definition of diaspora, remember the, the way that I define it just briefly is it's people living outside their homeland, their ancestral land. So it's where they were originally, they're outside of. You mentioned this, but let's let's make sure we clarify this. What what was the cause of their dispersion? I mean, I believe their cause of dispersion was sin. I mean, it was a sin in them deciding to not completely follow, you know, God's way. It was the evil one um, deceiving them and um, causing them to go a different direction instead of God's direction and what they had, he had given them the rules and commands he had given them to follow to live fruitfully and multiply. <laughs> Yeah. So the, the other thing that, uh, what, what was the outcome? So it's like, okay, what was, what was the cause? And so we're saying sin, uh, evil was involved. Satan was involved, but God was the one who did it. This was not a surprise to God, but was there anything that God was accomplishing? Any, was there any grace or mercy in this action? Because I, I believe that when God acts, he acts in a graceful and merciful way. Well, I do feel like a grace um, grace that he provided is um, even after that sin and that shame hit, he provided a cover, a, a protection, um, animal skins, just to remind them that he was there and um, with them and um, giving them that protection they needed. And um, they didn't have to be shameful. They just had to remember that um, he knows what's best. Yeah, that's so good. That was a graceful act. That was, they they had shame. They could not cover themselves properly. And uh, oftentimes when I tell this story with my Muslim friends, we talk about the significance of the sacrifice that that blood had to be shed for their sin. But that was a merciful act. It was it was God who actually uh, 
um, shed the blood of of a you know an animal that had done nothing wrong. Yeah. So even even thinking about Adam and Eve, you asked about a, a story, and I hadn't planned on sharing this, but even just thinking about their kids, Cain, Cain and Abel, and we we typically uh, kind of know the story. We we know that there was uh, some conflict between the brothers, and Cain killed Abel. But we see that Cain, because of his jealousy, because of his violence, because of murder, he is banished from from his homeland. So he is pushed out in diaspora. But there was grace in that because if you remember, Cain was given a physical mark so that no one would, would like attack him. And so even though he did this hideous action, like... He was jealous. He murdered someone. God alleviated his fears and addressed his vulnerability by giving him a mark. And so just even thinking about people that are dispersed because of their own sin, God is still showing mercy as he is moving them along, one, geographically, but moving them along for his purposes. And ultimately, I believe that it it was bringing people to repentance Acknowledgement of their sin. And then he just, in that grace of him reminding them that he's going to be with them, you know, and continue to be with them even in their sin and their, yeah, that grace again. <laughs> and if we, if we continue going, there's just so much in the Bible. This is the thing that, that I'm just so surprised. I don't hear pastors always talking this way, but the, the movement of people weaves all throughout biblical history. It's not like a background subject. It is the main narrative and it's fundamental to the purposes of God that 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 even us as believers we're we're called sojourners. Like even our identity is we are a dispersed people. Mm-hmm. And so thinking let's just keep going chronologically. We're going to have to jump a lot of the Bible or this is going to be a really long podcast, but I I think we have to talk about the Tower of Babel. So, Rebecca, you said God had given a command, one, to Adam and Eve, and then to Noah to be fruitful and to multiply and to fill the earth and subdue it. And as being um, image bearers of God, our role is to fill the earth with God's glory because we're reflecting God's glory. And after the flood, uh, Noah's sons, they started to migrate east, but then they stopped at the plains of Shinar. And, and rather than continuing to spread and obey God, they said, let's build a tower so we have a great name and so that we may reach the heavens. Rebecca, what, what did God do? <laughs> well, he didn't let them finish that tower. And he, uh, he changed all their languages. He made it where they couldn't finish the tower to, you know, um, together. And um, so that, again, just kind of made them disperse and um, have to be separated and apart from one another. And um, again, multiplying God's glory all over the earth. So it was just another great story of him saying, wait, 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 (laughs) I'm in control. You're not. And um, he knows what's best. And again, him wanting others to hear and know and um, everyone to see and know who he is. Okay. So we've talked about three, three things so far. Let's just let's just recap because I think as we keep going, we're going to see a slight difference. So God God is moving people 
oftentimes in response to their disobedience. But he's using it for his purpose, and, and we're always seeing this thread of grace, even in his, his moving of people, this protection, this provision. Uh, Rebecca, I, the next one I think about is Abraham. Tell us, tell us how Abraham was dispersed from his homeland. Abraham, again, I think shows, he shows a new piece of um, what God is doing. Um, this time, Abraham, Abraham wasn't really, um, for me, in my eyes, looking at Abraham, he wasn't in a place where he was disobeying God that sent him off, but God just told him and Abraham obeyed. And God told Abraham to go, you know, wherever um, he, you know, took him. He didn't even give him clear directions on where that was going to be but um, told him to go. And that's how he dispersed him. And then Abraham had to truly follow God in faith, knowing that he was going to direct and show him that path and that direction and the place that he was to go, but he wasn't going to stay. And his family wasn't going to stay. They were going to go to this new place. Yeah. I find it so unique that this is not the result of sin. This is God, God chose Abraham to be a blessing to the nations. And how did the blessing to the nations begin? With a dispersed sojourner going somewhere he didn't even know where he was going. And I know so many people who are being dispersed now, they don't really know where they're going. Mm-hmm. They, don't, they don't know how the provision is going to come. And I think that's such a picture of Abraham. He was just being obedient. Uh, you know, Ur, where he, he was like, they worshiped the moon God. Like they were, they were pagans. This, this was not someone who was really seeking after God, but God said, this is, this is who I'm choosing to be a blessing to the nations, that there is an inheritance that I want to give you. And Abraham's just like, I believe you, you know, in, in Hebrews talking about Abraham, it says by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And I just think that's such a beautiful picture. It's Hebrews 11 of the purpose of Abraham's migration. Yes, he ultimately got to the promised land, his descendants, but it says that he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God, which we would say we see a picture of in Revelation is the the new, the new Jerusalem. That is the city where the architect and builder is God, where where there is no more migration. And so I think maybe this is a good point to just a thought I was thinking about is, you know, in Ephesians, Paul writes that God is uniting all things in Christ. He says heaven and earth. And then he goes on and it's just the whole book of Ephesians is about uniting all things in Christ. Right now, we are dispersed. We are a dispersed people, but it's for the purpose of uniting all things, all people, all languages, nations, tongues, tribes, uniting them in Christ. 
And so right now, we don't necessarily see the uniting. We see division. We see people on the move. But I still believe God is being faithful to his promise to unite all things in Christ. And so I think that's the picture we have to have when we look at migration, diaspora, in the current, but also in the Bible. God is accomplishing his purposes. The people that he's sending out to you know, are the people that are being dispersed then as well as now. Some of those are followers of him and some of those are not followers of him. And I look at Abraham and the faith um, that he continued forward in knowing that he had that that Jerusalem, that final place. Um, And it didn't matter if it was promised land here on earth, but that promised place with um, God the Father. So that helped him go stronger, knowing that he was going to be blessed and that God was going to bless that. But then I think of the people that are being dispersed that don't know him and are so confused and so wondering what is, you know, happening in our lives. Um, And again, that importance of us being able to share that blessing that we have um, heard and learned from Abraham. Yeah, that's 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 so good thinking about. That the, the instance with Abraham is someone who had faith being dispersed to be a blessing to the nations. But there's also people who are of the nations who are not of faith, who are being dispersed and interacting with people of faith in, in the Old Testament. Obviously, today we see that. But what comes to mind is, is Ruth. So the, in the book of Ruth, you have... Um, it's been a little bit since I read the book of Ruth, but if I can just maybe narrate it just a little bit and maybe pull out these these pieces is, you know, there is a famine in the promised land. And because of the famine, Naomi and her husband and her two sons traveled to Moab. And so first we have to say what what's causing the, the move of Naomi. It's it's something that's bad. It's a famine. They go to Moab, which is not where God's people are. It's, you know, they're idol worshipers, they're pagans, and her two sons get married. The, the, one of the girls that marries one of her sons is named Ruth, the, the name of the book. But her two sons die, her husband's dead, so now it's three widows, and they're in Moab. And then Ruth says, or Naomi says, I'm going back to my, to my people. And she encourages Ruth and her other daughter-in-law to stay. But Ruth says, where you go, I will go. Your God will be my God. And so now we see this movement of two and then back. But it's bringing someone who's not part necessarily of the faith. They're not. She, Ruth is not an Israelite. She's not a Jew. She is not one of God's people. You know, quote God's people, but clearly she is one of God's people. <laughs> Because then you get this beautiful picture in the book of Ruth that God's grace, his provision is to bring Ruth so that she may meet her kinsman redeemer, which is such a picture of who Christ is that he says, I will redeem you because, uh, you know, a widowed woman in this time basically has nothing. But we know the story if we've read Ruth that she goes out into Boaz's field and he shows her favor and then they end up getting married. And Ruth and Boaz have a child. And that child is 
I might be skipping a generation. I know this where it gets. I believe that child is Jesse. And Jesse has a son named David, who we later come to know as King David. And when we look at the lineage of Jesus, we see, oh, that was God's mercy, not just for an individual Moabite lady, but that was mercy for Israel through the King David, through the coming of the Messiah to where we are today. So I just think, man, even the book of Ruth, how God has used women, which oftentimes, you know, in previous generations, like there wasn't a lot of validity given to women being used to further the purposes of God. They were relegated to home matters, but God says, no, no, no. Women have a part to play and let me show you how I'm going to do it. But it was through migration. Well, and and then you bring that whole point home of, you know, the importance of Ruth as well as Naomi, you know, because, you know, Ruth, she had that faith of Abraham, but it was because of what she had seen in in Naomi and what she had experienced um, being a part of that family um, and coming to know the truth and to have hope. Um, I love it. I love it. And I I think it gives us hope today as we're sharing with the diaspora um, among us, uh, Christ. And I think too, now as we, you know, we've looked at Ruth and we're kind of getting over into starting to get into the New Testament. I mean, Jesus, ultimately he came, he left, he migrated from heaven to earth, God himself from heaven to earth for us. And then just the migration that he experienced here um, on earth. Um, going to different places. And Jesus tells us that um, that in John 13, 3, he says, I know that the Father has given all things into his hands and that he has come from God and was going back to God. So he came here and was dispersed here um, to be more about that purpose of everyone coming to know, um, know who he was and being able to accept him and trust in him and then returning back to the Father. Um, So a great Jesus himself is a great picture of that migration. God has brought millions of unreached people groups to North America. But who are the people? Where do they live? What are they like? And how can they be reached with the gospel? What if there was a, a resource to answer those questions and more? There is. UPG North America was developed to be a voice to and a resource for the body of Christ. UPGNorthAmerica.com is an organizational neutral website where we have contributors from various individuals, churches, and organizations. And perhaps you have a part to play in contributing content, research, or your technical expertise to see all UPG communities seen, prayed for, and engaged with gospel workers. Go to UPGNorthAmerica.com for more information. You know, I, 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 when I think about um, migration, I often think about tents. Um, you know, when when Abraham was traveling along, they were they were in tents. Even think of the story of Moses and Israel going through the wilderness and the, and the tabernacle. It was they were in tents. But when John describes Jesus coming and taking on flesh and living among us, uh, you know, he tabernacled. He, uh, he brought his tent <laughs> to earth. And just that, that word imagery that, that Jesus knew what his purpose was, 
but it was accomplished through, like you said, leaving his ancestral homeland, you know, where he has spent eternity past and eternity. He stepped into time and into geography to even come and be born a virgin. And, but even as a child, you know, there, there's two reasons in scripture that I, I think we see this, but, you know, he goes from Bethlehem to Egypt, Mary and Joseph and, and baby Jesus are going down to Egypt. One, I think it's for protection because, you know, Herod was wanting to kill all the babies, but also too, we just think of how complete and unique our scripture is. It was fulfilling prophecy. And and we we don't just have to stretch that because New Testament writers show that that this was the purpose that it was fulfilling prophecy. Hosea eleven one says, "When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son." And so that's what they're pointing to is this this passage in Hosea that Jesus was fulfilling. You know, but as I'm thinking about Christ and thinking about the diaspora, I think too, we really haven't talked a lot about the people that have been dispersed due to persecution. Um, and I, we see that um, in a number of passages. Um, but I think one of the main, I think James 1, 1, it talks about the that theme of suffering persecution and then being dispersed and James encouraging them um, in that dispersion, but also right after Peter, I mean, Stephen's um, death and the dispersion of people because of persecution um, is just, again, God showing, I think, even through that persecution, showing his presence um, with us as um, he scatters us abroad to continue to share his truth um, with many that haven't had a chance to hear. Yeah. Uh, just thinking about the the spreading of, you know, the early believers after the persecution and the death of Stephen, it, it says in Acts 8 that they were all scattered. And, and that's, that's the same word where we're getting di- diaspora. They were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. But it says, except the apostles. The apostles stayed in Jerusalem, but all of the other believers were scattered. And then we have to say, well, what in the world did these scattered believers do? And I think this is this is a lesson that our brothers and sisters in faith who are facing persecution and who are in the diaspora, who are maybe on a refugee highway, it's really easy for us to think about self-preservation mm. and not, not belittling that fact but trusting that we see that as God has scattered people, he has provided and protected them. And when we, we look at what did these, what did these believers do? Well, we see that the gospel rang out, that they took the gospel to different places. Uh, it later, it later says that those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen. So it's it's connecting right back to this Acts 8, traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which that's not they're not in their homeland, right? These are more diaspora people who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists, also preaching the Lord Jesus, and the hand of the Lord was with them. That sounds like 
God is protecting them and providing them. The hand of the Lord was with them as they were going and proclaiming. And it says, a great number who believed turned to the Lord. And that's that's in Acts 11. And then all in between Acts 8 and 11, it's like, what are they doing? They are They are proclaiming. They are proclaiming and the Lord is protecting them. And yes, Stephen died and we can't make light of that. But how we respond is, do we respond in fear? Which I believe anytime I respond in fear, I'm probably not walking in the truth. Mm-hmm. Because we have not been given a spirit of fear. Correct. <laughs> but if we walk in boldness, just think of how many times Paul, who who is not necessarily a diaspora, like he's purposely, he's like, I'm going here to do this. But he's praying for boldness as he is going. And we can't overlook the fact that it says that they went as far as Antioch. And then we think of the church that was established in Antioch. And then it is Paul and Barnabas and the the leaders of the church who are praying and fasting. And the Holy Spirit says, set apart for me, Paul and Barnabas, to the work that I've called him. And that's in, that's in Acts 13. And then that is kind of the, the genesis, the beginning of Paul's missionary journey. So it's like, wow. It was diaspora people who were going and proclaiming the gospel, who planted a diaspora church, who sent out Paul and Barnabas to plant more churches. How can we not look at the global diaspora and say, God wants his people who are on the move to proclaim the gospel. He wants to have his hand on them and see people turning from death to life, see churches planted and then see those multiply out because then the diaspora are sending out their diaspora workers to plant churches among the diaspora. I don't like, I don't, I don't, maybe I could have said diaspora one more time in that sentence, but (laughs) I think you could have, (laughs) I could have done it one more time and it would have been like the trifecta, but am am I wrong in thinking this way, Rebecca? No, I don't, I don't think you're wrong at all. I think that, I mean, again, as we look at scripture, I think it's just over and over where we see that hand of God sending people out and showing himself and sending people out and spreading his word. And I mean, I think that's our heart too, is one day all of those people will have had a chance to hear and he will return. So, I mean, I think, um, and then we will be in our final home place um, together with him. Um, And what a great celebration. And we need to be about it. I want to think just briefly before we close about, about the flip side. So we've been talking about people migrating and coming to maybe a more Christian area where they have access to the gospel. What, what about, I don't know. Let me just give an example what, what if I was in a foreign country and I was arrested and I was thrown in prison in like a concentration camp? And maybe there's hundreds of thousands of people in this concentration camp. I think there's instances of things similar to that in, in our day. And it's, it's really easy to get jaded and like, God, where are you? Again, if we really want to be driven by scripture, I just think of Jeremiah. Jeremiah had (laughs) Joseph, yeah. So let's just, with Jeremiah, the reason I thought about Jeremiah is Jeremiah, like no one even listened to Jeremiah. He's taken into captivity, he's in Babylon, but God instructs him to pray for the city. Mm. 
so that he so that he may be a blessing to the city. Think again of of Joseph. That's that's a great example. His brothers hate him, so it's like what is what is the cause? Ultimately, it's sin. His brothers hated him. Throw him in a pit and said, "No, let's sell him." That's much better. He goes to Egypt, and the Lord is with him. The Lord raises him so that he may be salvation to his people. You know, in, in Genesis fifty twenty, he says, "What you meant for harm, God meant for good." Mm-hmm. And so, regardless of your situation in the diaspora. Maybe you are a person who is a dispersed person. Your your role is to pray for the city you're in. Mm. To to be an advocate for the cause of Christ. Or maybe you are surrounded by people who are not following the way. God has brought the unreached, the ends of the earth to our cities. And our job is to pray for them, to share with them how they may know the hope of Christ. Let me let me end with one one passage with Philippians and then Rebecca you can you can close close us out. I've talked too much. A lot of times people in the diaspora feel like that they don't have a home. In Philippians 3.20, it says, but our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So what is the best gift we can give our friends who are from gospel-deprived areas, but they have no hope, they feel like they have no home? It's the message of our savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, so that they can have citizenship in heaven. Thank you, bud. I do hope that this um, episode, episode three of Let's Talk Diaspora, has encouraged you. I pray that we will be very faithful in continuing to go out and share Christ as we are dispersed in our different parts of the world. This season is sponsored by UPG North America. Go to upgnorthamerica.com for more information.